another episode of By All Means right here on West Reserve Radio. I am your host, Mark Means. This is episode number 32. As always, find us on Facebook. Just search Western Reserve Radio. You can download the Live 365 or TuneIn app or go to westernreserveradio.com in order to find the show online. Coming up on today's show in just moments, we'll be joined by Joe Putnam, who there's a lot of different things in sports media in the State College, Pennsylvania area. Coming up near the bottom of the hour, Ryan will join us to recap the Browns' Bengals' victory. But uh, let's go to the phones first and introduce my old friend from my days in the New York Penn League, Joe Putnam. Joe, how are you? Doing well, Mark. Great to be able to talk with you and uh, looking forward to this Saturday for sure. It's going to be a little different, but uh, it'll still be a lot of fun. It was definitely different in Columbus. They only had about 1,300 at the game, but I know one of the duties that you perform is press box PA announcer at Beaver Stadium. I'm familiar with that being in other Big Ten stadiums, but what exactly does that job entail for you? Well, uh, inside the press box, which at uh, Beaver Stadium, like many other press boxes in the uh, Big Ten Conference, is enormous. Uh, over the roar of 110,000 fans, you can't usually hear the uh, regular public address announcement, so I supplement that uh, with the play-by-play for the benefit of the media gathered, uh, pointing out any statistical milestones that have been reached by any Penn State players in particular, sometimes visiting players as well, and uh, also uh, give a statistical rundown now and again uh, to help the uh, media along and, and any other pertinent announcements that there may be. So here's the, where the interesting conversation begins. I want to go back to last week's Penn State-Indiana game, and I kind of want to surprise you because, you know, I have watched that replay for the two-point attempt at the end of the game, I don't know, probably 25 times, and looking at it with my Ohio State eyes, I, I still don't think that two-point attempt was good. Uh, what's your feeling? Well, the thing is, watching it uh, from afar on television, like many others, uh, it, it looked to be, <laughs> and it's classic, we're in election season, it looked to be too close to call, uh, you know, the first few times it's run. And under the replay system, uh, if, it's, if you can't determine definitively one way or the other, you have to go with the call on the field, which in this case was that the two-point conversion was good. Um, but, you know, looking at uh, photographs, especially Abby Drives in the Center Daily Times here, which got a, a lot of play, I know Richard Deitch, uh, from the athletic, reached out to her to uh, go through what the process was to, to get a photograph like that, uh, and and you know that photo, and then if you look microscopically at the video, it does appear that it that the ball was short of the pylon or hit out of bounds before crossing the plane at the very least. So um, in this case, it's a, it's a matter of inches, but I think every single person from the Penn State football team and I think any any fans who aren't necessarily totally blinded by uh, their, their Penn State fandom, they'll tell you that the Nittany Lions had several other chances to win the game. They could have and probably should have put it away long before that, not let it come down to a, a matter of not just inches, but maybe not even millimeters, a matter of picometers perhaps, uh, to, to the difference between winning and losing. It could have been a Penn State win long before that. Now, I know you can't, of course, speak for Coach Franklin or the team, but in your opinion, do you think they were maybe looking past Indiana to Ohio State this weekend a little bit? I would, I would say not. I, I don't think so. I mean, that, that, and that's something that here in State College we hear incessantly each and every game week. Coach Franklin 
the, the focus is always on the next week's opponent. It, it, it's something of a running gag, you might say, on Twitter, but it, but it is serious. There, there's a lot of focus on the opponent at hand, especially with this being the first game of a new season, a season that uh, the Penn State team didn't know they would be having necessarily, and we're certainly grateful for. I don't think that they would be looking forward to Ohio State at all. I think they were enthusiastic and ready to go against Indiana, at least from the perspective of they were looking to go out and play that game. And certainly from the opening drive, just controlling the ball and methodically moving it down the field, it looked like Penn State was well on track. But obviously, uh, Indiana is is a great team. I mean, Coach James Franklin called in this Indiana team the best he's seen leading up to the game. And you might point that out as as an example of maybe some pregame puffery. But you know, you look at what Indiana was able to produce. I mean, yes, they were outgained uh, almost three to one, and yes, uh, Penn State was a did make uh, quite a few mistakes that led to Indiana scoring points. But give credit to the Hoosiers; they took advantage of those opportunities. And uh, it, it certainly, it's, I think it's unexpected that Penn State went is now zero and one going into the Ohio State game. But I, I think that uh, they certainly had their focus on Indiana. And simply put, Indiana just out-executed Penn State at key moments. You know, Joe, when you look at it, one of the huge advantages in the Big Ten is home field advantage. It's, you know, the 110,000 at Ohio Stadium. It's the whiteout at Beaver Stadium. And all those things are taken away this year. How much do you think that actually levels the playing field in those bigger venues for big games like this weekend? It's definitely going to be weird. That That is for certain to have just and, and it'll be similar to uh, last week at the Horseshoe. Uh, you know, there's there's going to be friends, family from both teams there. And that's it. Um, and certainly the, the Penn State, especially I know the athletics marketing staff here at Penn State has been hard at work trying to cultivate an atmosphere that is near to as near to a, a big time nighttime whiteout type atmosphere as possible, but there is only so much you can do. Certainly here in, in Happy Valley, uh, I think people are still into this game as much as they would be. They just aren't able to come out and tailgate and be at the game. They're going to have to watch on TV. And, and uh, you know, certainly the university has gone out, uh, tried to create alternate areas for students to watch the game uh, so that folks are gathered, not gathered, unsafely uh, that everybody can enjoy this game maybe from a distance for hopefully this year only uh, but still be uh, as passionately involved in as they usually are so uh, it will certainly be a weird atmosphere but I think that both teams uh, I mean I think if you ask both teams they would say oh you know we focus on the action on the field but you you really can't match a whiteout atmosphere with 110,000 people in the seats uh, for Penn State, Ohio State, I mean, uh, you know, Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreit have both called it one of the best atmospheres in college football. And, and it's something that, uh, quite frankly, I think that the Buckeyes feed off of as well, just as much as the Nittany Lions. I mean, you have that energy in the crowd. Yes, it's directed at you, but if you have that energy, it pumps you up too, even when you're on the road. And I think uh, you know, that has happened to Penn State on more than one occasion. So it, it really, it'll still be a big game atmosphere. It just won't be as big of a big game atmosphere as it would be with all of those people in the crowd and and so does it level it out maybe maybe make this a, a more even matchup than it would be if say it was a full wide out perhaps so but i don't think that the difference is that stark 
Do you think, and we've had this debate, Joe, on our different shows, do you think just one area, just the uh, the offense or defense and the lack of a crowd affect one of those more than the other? Uh, well, obviously working with the offense, and, and Penn State has, has shifted its offense a little bit under new offensive coordinator Kirk Shiroka, uh, the offense generally would prefer to operate in a low sound atmosphere, and the defense, you know, in last year's uh, matchup against Michigan, the Wolverines had to call timeout on the very first play of the game, thanks in large part to the noise provided by the crowd. So where it affects Penn State is most likely more on the defensive side of the ball than the offensive side of the ball. Um, and certainly defense feeds off that energy. But again, I think that if you have a coach that, that it has their team well-schooled and well-prepared for the atmosphere, uh, then the crowd noise really shouldn't be – it will be a factor, but it shouldn't be uh, – throw you into such a tizzy that you're calling timeout in the first play of the game. So, uh, you know, I, I I think it'll definitely be more of a boon, the lack of fans in the crowd to the Ohio State offense uh, than it would be to the Ohio State defense going against. So I think that it's when Penn State's on defense, Ohio State offense, that's when you see more of an effect of the lack of fans at the at Beaver Stadium. When you uh, look at the, the first game and, you know, camp and going into it for Penn State, uh, a linebacker, one of the top linebackers in the country, probably a surefire first-round pick, opting out. You know, you find out that um, there's an undisclosed medical reason that one of your fantastic running backs is out. How is the depth handled filling in for such great athletes not being on the field? Oh, in, in both the cases you mentioned, in terms of Micah Parsons at linebacker, in terms of Journey Brown at running back, the, the team has said, Coach Franklin and all the players, it's next man up. And uh, unfortunately, what has hurt Penn State is that at both of those positions, the linebacker and running back, there is even less depth now because of events in game one against Indiana. Jesse Lucado was pinpointed as the guy who would step up. He would take over as the main linebacker for Penn State in the absence of Micah Parsons, who's off to prepare for the NFL. But Lucado took a targeting call in the second half of the game against Indiana, so he will miss the first half of this upcoming game. And with the absence of Journey Brown, who has all-world speed, a great running back, really came to the fore late last season for the Nittany Lions. With him out, it was Noah Kane who was expected to step up and take the lion's share, at least, of, of running back carries. But Kane is out for the season now with a leg injury that he suffered against Indiana. And so Devin Ford really took the bulk of the work in that game. It's unfortunate that um, you know Devin Ford realized just a split second too late that it would be a wiser move to kneel down than to uh, cross the goal line and go into the end zone for the touchdown. Um, but he really uh, took the bulk of the carries there. But then you have a couple of two freshmen after that uh, for Penn State. Uh, you have Keziah Holmes, you have Kevon Lee, uh, Kevon Lee uh, who stepped in and, and really had to maybe get more time than maybe was expected of them in week one. And they'll certainly be dependent upon to maybe not take the bulk of the, the carries, but you have true freshmen, talented as they may be and highly talented as they may be, who are going to be in the mix second game of their uh, Penn State careers against Ohio State who are going to probably see carries in key spots. And again, with Lucada out for the uh, first half, at least, of this game, it's going to be up to guys like Ellis Brooks, like Brandon Smith, to really step up. Lance Dixon as well, who, who saw a lot of time down the stretch with Lucada out after the targeting call. They're going to have to really uh, provide the bulk of the work at the linebacker position. And most likely you're going to see Penn State really lean on the pass rush we saw Shaka Tony in what looked to be at least the final drive of the game for Indiana before they got 
the opportunity after the Penn State touchdown. Tony with back-to-back sacks there. He's a top-flight pass rusher. Jason Oway on the other side is another guy to watch out for. Uh, but, again, the, the two positions you talked about that suffered key losses even before the season started suffered even more key losses in that first week, and that's definitely going to have an effect on the Nittany Lions. Joe, only got a couple minutes left, but uh, mentioning that and looking at how Ohio State threw the ball last week, they'll be it against the Nebraska secondary that's not the best in the Big Ten. Do you anticipate Penn State to try to run the ball and, and keep it out of Ohio State's offensive hands the best they can? Well, that was really a priority for, for Penn State uh, in week one is, is running the football. And, and it was interesting, in the opening drive of the game, they were able to run the ball down the field. Kane was still in the game at that point. Ford able to take some carries. But maybe as a surprise, which isn't necessarily a surprise, we've seen this from Sean Clifford, the quarterback. Last year he was able uh, to run for a healthy amount of yardage, but he ran for 119 yards on 17 carries, really for a large part of the second and third quarters. The quarterback draw was the best run play for Penn State. It was the only one that was generating positive yardage for them. So, yes, I think running the ball is a priority in Kirk Shiroka's offense to start with. There is a talented group of receivers, and the guy to watch out for there is probably the freshman, Parker Washington, who didn't see a whole lot of action against Indiana, at least in terms of the the ball being thrown his way, but is a guy that a lot of Penn State observers have been talking about as the breakout candidate wide receiver this year. So maybe look for him to be dependent upon on, but certainly the priority is going to be establishing the run game at least as much as possible, and, and keeping it out of the hands of Justin Fields and the Ohio State offense is always going to be a good idea. So for Penn State to be able to do that, this offensive line has got to get it together. They have uh, more uh, they have a lot of guys returning, a lot of seniors and juniors, which we have not seen out of Penn State uh, offensive lines, uh, at least since the, the sanctions started going away. Um, but this line was very highly tied going into the year, and maybe they can gel together and, and generate that push that was lacking at times uh, in the latter stages of Week 1 against Indiana. Joe, I know Big Ten fans around the country, especially in Columbus and State College, have been looking forward to this game since the schedule was announced. And, uh, you know, hopefully everyone stays healthy and we can play this game at full strength on Saturday night and appreciate a few minutes of your time. Absolutely, Mark. Always great to talk with you and uh, looking forward to hopefully getting the chance to get out there uh, to the Mahoning Valley once again and uh, saying hello. I always look forward to uh, headed out to Eastern Ohio and uh, covering baseball as well as many other sports. So hopefully we get the chance to chat again soon face-to-face. Absolutely, Joe. Appreciate it. Joe Putnam press box announcer for Penn State at Beaver Stadium, also one of the voices of the State College Spikes. Always good to catch up with Joe. Coming up after the break, we turn our attention to the Browns-Bengals game. Don't forget Ohio State, Penn State is a 7.30 kickoff on ABC here in the greater Youngstown area. The Buckeyes early in the week, an eight-point favorite going into Beaver Stadium. When we come back, we turn our attention to the Browns, who are now without Odell Beckham Jr. for the rest of the year following their 37-34 victory over the Bengals on Sunday afternoon in a game where Baker Mayfield went for five touchdowns in that game where he was 22 of 28 for just under 300 yards and five touchdowns. A couple of other players stepped up big and we will tell you who they were and can they continue to step up big uh, when they need some shoes, some spots in the lineup definitely filled uh, by the injury of Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, missing the rest of the season after suffering an ACL injury. 
in the game on Sunday. We'll be right back here on Western Reserve Radio. You're listening to Western Reserve Radio, the radio home of the Youngstown Phantoms, part of the Live 365 Network and SB Nation. In the small town of Elmira, New York, a boy was born into an all-American family. The odds of him achieving his dream in the fashion industry? One in 23 million. The odds of having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 68. I am Tommy Hilfiger, and my family is affected by autism. Learn more at AutismSpeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. During the fall and winter, grilling season never ends. And Gessler Propane is your local supplier. Then make sure you get your hard-earned money's worth. Why go to gas exchanges to pay higher prices for tanks not filled to capacity? Gessler Propane makes sure you're prepared for year-round grilling with 100% filled tanks at a reasonable cost. See Bob Monday through Friday, 10 to 4, and Saturday, 9 to 3 at Gessler Propane, 702 Youngstown Poland Road, Struthers, or call 330-755-9119. Gessler Propane. They got gas. This Dorks are bringing me a baby brother. We can build it together. All right, let's go. Dorks know how to keep kids safe. Do you? What? Oh my gosh, you don't know. <gasps> I know. You don't. <laughs> oh man, you laugh when you're uncomfortable. <laughs> no. Making sure your child is in the right car seat is one of the steps to safer travel. I will rock this. You will rock this. To know for sure that your child is in the right car seat for their age and size, visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. Cool, cool, cool. Very cool, very cool. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. It's important to plan ahead for emergencies, like, like the storm. storm. When it kicked in, we had we a plan. Separated. We, we were, were able to get in touch with each other in no time. We had no idea how to find each other. The, the whole experience, experience was, was the most frightening 10 hours of my life. If, if there's, there's one piece of advice I'd offer other moms, moms out there, it's to stay calm and keep to the plan. Message. Some parents plan ahead. Some don't. Make sure you know where to find your family in an emergency. Start your plan at ready.gov. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Mill Creek Golf Course is now open. Experience the Donald Ross Championship design of both courses where you can book a tee time online at millcreekmetroparks.org. Mill Creek features a newly remodeled golf shop, new cart paths, and is a Callaway certified club fitting facility with demo day. The PGA professional staff is now accepting golf outings and leagues. For more information, call 330-740-7112 or stop by and see what all Mill Creek Golf Course has to offer you. Welcome back to By All Means right here on Western Reserve Radio. Don't forget, our high school football coverage begins on Friday with By All Means, the special edition high school football kickoff show from 5 and 6 o'clock on Friday, excuse me, on Saturday here on Western Reserve Radio. Mogador and Springfield, a 7 o'clock kickoff over on Western Reserve Radio 2. Ursuline and Poland for a 7 o'clock kickoff with uh, Tim and Matt. Ryan Alessio joins me by phone today. And a victory Monday that carries into Tuesday is always good when you're 5-2, and two, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole new world. I feel like it's 1994 again. I remember being about 12-ish years old when the Browns were 5-2. and two. They got all the way to 8-2 and two that year. And it's almost the same feeling. You, felt, you feel proud leaving the house in your Browns gear. You want to talk about football. You have a little extra pep in your step. You know, I'm walking around the grocery store today with my Browns mask on, and I just feel real good about myself. It's, uh, 
It's good to be five and two. It's the good life, Mark. We've been waiting for this for a long time. And you know what? I heard a lot of negativity. Oh, you beat the Bengals and you twice. You haven't beat anybody that's any good. First off, they're five and two. All you can do is play the teams that are in front of you. And when you win on the road in the NFL, I don't care who they beat. A road NFL win, especially for the Browns, is a big deal. Yeah, everything you said is 100% true. I don't need to repeat it. You're right. However, I, I do feel that some people forget where we've come from, Mark. You know, right. they always talk about, oh, the Bengals. Oh, you just beat the Bengals. You do know that as a Browns fan, not long ago, not decades ago, literally just a few years ago, this football team won one game, zero games, and you're going to get picky or defiant against who they're beating? You should be happy we have an opponent in the division we actually sweep. So I, when people bring up who you played, it's not a big deal. It's the Bengals. The Bengals over the last 15 years, I would trade our history with theirs. I've seen right. them win the division. I've seen them in the playoffs multiple times. I've never seen the Browns win this division. It, they haven't won a division since we were the AFC Central in 89. So I don't want to hear that. They're still an NFL team with an NFL defense with NFL professional players. And you beat them in dramatic fashion in their house where you could have been four and three and people were going to start looking at you like, oh, no, now you're five and two and you don't have that feeling. So those fans, they just they can't shake the feeling of being miserable because it feels natural and it feels right. You don't got to be miserable and look for reasons to be unhappy with this team. I mean, we'll find them, but it, it certainly isn't because of who they're playing. And you know what? It was it was fun to watch players step up on Sunday when they needed to, uh, especially Higgins and Bryant, and they both had big games filling in for injuries. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really nice to see that. It was nice to see guys, you know, come in, get opportunities that, that weren't there in the uh, early part of the season. You see Higgins come back with, you know, six catches over 100 yards. Everybody's been wondering about Peoples-Jones. You know, he was just kind of taking kicks out of the end zone very poorly, might I add. Uh, that touchback would, wouldn't do you, do you bad there, Donovan. But, uh, yeah, to see these guys fill in, especially after Odell went down, uh, it, it, it was great. It just shows you that the last few years we were, we're, we're starting to be able to put together a roster that obviously you never want to lose a starter. But it's almost kind of sounding like we're, we're able to put guys in to kind of fill the void, unless your name's Sandejo. Then never mind. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about him because I, <laughs> you know, I'm not even known for being an angry tweeter, but I have tweeted about him the last couple of games because whether it's coverage or tackling, it's just him playing football in general has been bad. Yeah, I mean, if you're tweeting anger, then there's something wrong. You're doing very bad. <laughs> And you know what, uh, Bryant's another one I, I want to talk about because you look at him and you think, yeah, he played in a small school. And he, you know, he won the award for the best tight end in college football last year. But I look at him if he can develop, if he can get stronger. And you know, I'm not going to call him, you know, potentially any of, the, any of the great tight ends that are in the National Football League right now. But I think he's got the ability to, you know, he can line up on the line and block. He can line up on the line and run routes. They can flex him out, and he can run routes. I like his versatility. Yeah, he almost kind of looks like Hooper Jr. And you can see why Njoku was, you know, third in line with the tight ends because he's another tight end, much like Austin Hooper, who can do everything. You know, Hooper does it at, at a Pro Bowl level. He's established. But 
Cooper is known for having great hands, being a great offensive weapon. He likes to block. He likes to get dirty like that. And Bryant's starting to show the same thing, that he's got great size. He's 6'5". He's, he's got enough athleticism. He has great hands. He finds the holes in the defense. And it seems like he's another guy that you, you can put out there to, like, stand in front of somebody if you need to. You know, and Joku, to me, is kind of more like the wide receiver tight end, where if he's not really making a spectacular catch, he's not really doing much for you. And I think that's why you see, you know, Bryant basically took Hooper's spot while Hooper's out recovering from his surgery, and then Njoku's now playing. I, I think, you know, Bryant, he, he's going to be a nice player for us for, for a while as long as he keeps uh, the track he's on. And if you keep him with Hooper, man, our tight ends are going to be pretty nice. Do you think that was Baker's best performance in the last, I don't know, two years? I'm trying to think about his rookie year where he had some pretty nice, especially after uh, Hugh Jackson was shown the door. He did have some pretty nice games where he looked like that and he was, you know, able to make big plays, able to keep the pocket alive. But I think when you just look at, you know, if, if you had a dream in your mind, like we all had this dream when we saw Baker Mayfield during his rookie year that we were going to see games and we were going to have stat lines from a quarterback that maybe since Brian Sype or maybe a few odd games from Derek Anderson that we haven't been seeing for a while. Because we all love Bernie. He, he's great. But, you know, he had a great run game and a defense with him, and he didn't have to. I'm sure if he needed to, he could have put up 350 a game. Because, you know, he did it in the playoff game where he threw for 450. But for the most part, Kozar just kind of, you know, let the talent around him do their thing. But we wanted to see these type of games from Baker. And, you know, we got the tease and we got the taste during his rookie year. And then, you know, his second year in the league, he got kitchens and maybe it just, it wasn't working for anybody. And then finally you see this, just everything you thought he could do that you knew he had in him. It's like the, the accuracy, be able to kind of balance being a gunslinger with being smart, uh, trusting his eyes, trusting what the defense is giving to letting his receivers make play and just, Going, I mean, 22 or 20, and you, you can you can really erase the spiked ball because that was that shouldn't even be. I don't even know how those why those are categorized as incomplete passes, but whatever. I mean, it was it was it was probably the best performance he's ever had, and it came in three quarters. It came on the road against a division opponent, a game you needed to win because you know you had to get back on track, and he threw three touchdowns in the fourth quarter that gave the Browns the lead, and obviously the last one won the game. So, yeah, this is by far and away the best performance we've ever seen out of him. Not to mention a franchise record 18 consecutive completions at one point. I mean, it, it just worked. Uh, I don't know. I know that I saw the topic list, and in the next segment we'll talk about if a certain wide receiver <laughs> prevents this kind of production or not. But... I just, I was getting to the point where I was like, we're going to have to draft a quarterback. Are we going to have to trade for Matt Ryan? We got all these nice players on offense and these young players that their rookie deals are going to be coming up. Or are we really going to be wasting these years trying to figure out if this guy can do it or not? Cause he just looked lost and, um, not anymore, not anymore to say the least. And yeah, like you're saying, you know, he's, he's setting records with what he's doing. So it's man. It's interesting. We're going to have to just see more, I guess. I mean, I don't expect him to throw five touchdowns every game, but that 
ability to see the defense, take what it's given, uh, spread the ball around. Until Nick Chubb goes, comes back, it looks like Baker's going to have to sort of put the team on his back a little bit more than he's used to. So this is going to be a good test going forward for what we really have. And, and that's all after a, a horrendous throw to begin the game. Yeah, that's the wild part, too, is, you know, he starts 0 for 5. His first pass to Odell is an interception. It leads to Odell getting hurt. And, I mean, you watch the game. There's a moment where he throws the pick, and your brain's like, oh, bleep, bleep, bleep. Then right. they show Odell laid on the ground, and then J.C. Treader's laid on the ground, too. And I was like, oh. I remember what it's like to like the Browns. <laughs> and it just went completely different after that when we know what normally happens. Yeah, I mean, it definitely did. I mean, and, you know, as much as, and we'll get to it, you mentioned it, and we'll get to talk about OBJ and how he affects the offense going forward. But Treader, I mean, I, I, I like the young kid at backup center. I don't want him playing every day at this point yet. He's not ready. No, and luckily Treader came back, and I, I believe he's fine. But there was that moment where they were both on the field after an interception, and I know you were looking at the TV like me, going, "Oh no, here we go." And oh, I, I thought about turning it off at that point. I'm like, "Should I just quit now?" <laughs> oh, it was, I was, it was just bad. And I'll say this before you know, it's strange this year because if you look at some of the games, there were moments in the game that we normally mess up and causes us to lose. Like last year's Browns, previous Browns, I'll just use the Dallas game for an example. When Dallas is going on this big run and it looks like we're going to blow this, you know, giant lead, old Browns blow that giant lead or old Browns lose this game to Cincinnati yesterday or to the Colts or oddly enough, and we haven't seen it in probably since the 80s, this team instead of falling victim to those mistakes that usually cost them wins, are overcoming them. And that, to me, is starting to sign we have a real coach. We have a real staff. We're starting to build, and it's going to take a while. It's going to take more than this year. But we're starting to instill a culture that we haven't had here in Cleveland probably since, you know, Schottenheimer or maybe a couple years of Belichick before they moved the team. Have you noticed that, too? Oh, absolutely. And we're coming up on a break here in just a few seconds. It's a coach. He doesn't panic. He's even keeled. We'll get to more about that coming up after this timeout on Western Reserve Radio. Shanrock Concrete specializes in all types of concrete, driveways, sidewalks, basements, and garages. We also do stamped colored concrete in many different designs. We do interior and exterior stone work, regular brick and block work. Shanrock Concrete is fully insured. Call Jerry Sandrock at 330-506-0013 for an estimate. Also find them on Facebook at Sandrock Concrete, LLC. Sandrock Concrete, where you deal with the owner all the time. In the small town of Elmira, New York, a boy was born into an all-American family. The odds of him achieving his dream in the fashion industry? One in 23 million. The odds of having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 68. I am Tommy Hilfiger, and my family is affected by autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. 
It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. So you don't need to start foraging wild berries. I'm skeptical, but these are actually pretty good. You don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. You just need FeedThePig.org. Don't get left behind. Get tips and tools at FeedThePig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Welcome to Calvin's Barbershop. You all got to see this. I don't even want to know what you're looking at on that phone. Well, you should. I was learning about the dangers of high blood pressure and that we need to get ours checked regularly. High blood pressure can increase the risk of heart attack or stroke, but this text program can help keep it at a healthy range. Just text Barbershop to 97779 to sign up. I'll get right on it as soon as I'm done with this baby panda video. <laughs> text Barbershop to 97779. A message from the American Heart Association and the Ad Council. Hey, let me ask you something. Would you seat your three-year-old child on a windowsill? Would you seat them beside a lit fireplace or by the deep end of a pool? One last question. Would you seat your child in a car seat that's not correct for them? Car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Secure their future. Seat them in the correct car seat. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Mill Creek Golf Course is now open. Experience the Donald Ross Championship design of both courses where you can book a tee time online at millcreekmetroparks.org. Mill Creek features a newly remodeled golf shop, new cart paths, and is a Callaway certified club fitting facility with Demo Day. The PGA professional staff is now accepting golf outings and leagues. For more information, call 330-740-7112 or stop by and see what all Mill Creek Golf Course has to offer you. You're listening to Western Reserve Radio on westernreserveradio.com. Right here on Western Reserve Radio, Mark and Ryan. And Ryan, I know you read the point for this segment, but I want to kind of take it in different in different parts. Do you think the team, knowing their best offensive player was out for the game and potentially the year, stepped up and played better? I definitely will say that the offense played better. It Again, it, it just... I was happy when we made the – it was hard not to be happy. You know, like any time you see a superstar come to Cleveland, whether, you know, it's when we have LeBron or he comes back and we're able to get, you know, some other stars in here, you know what it's like to be a Cleveland fan, Mark. We don't really have good self-esteem when it comes to star talent. We're used to stars leaving. Like we're going to sit here and have to think about Frankie leaving the Indians, you know. So we're happy to see Odell come to town because it's a mega star in Cleveland. But if you really dissect the trade to bring him here, it was pointless. It, it literally just created holes for us that we still haven't even filled in the secondary getting rid of Peppers. And it basically added a big-name player to a position group that I thought we were just fine with. Baker and the offense ran more efficiently when Baker had, you know, a Pro Bowl receiver, Pro Bowl tight end, and then receivers that you could trust to make plays. And... For whatever reason, even in this, like the, the offense, even though Freddie Kitchens was probably worse than Hugh Jackson, 
that offense just could never really get a rhythm, get going ever since Odell's been here. And the same kind of issues, although it looked better because we were running the football so well, uh, Baker's numbers were still kind of just bleh and his offensive production. And then he started going in the wrong direction. But I don't know what it is, Mark. They, the offense, especially showing you those last three quarters, once they got back to that just, you know, everybody eats style offense, it looked better. And it makes me wonder, too, did it make Baker play better, you know, subconsciously? Because it goes from, well, we've got Odell Beckham Jr., I've got to get him to the, foot, the football, to that guy's open, I'm going to throw it to him. I, I do think that. I think that, you know, when you have multiple alpha male type guys on an offense, especially at that wide receiver position where we know that's like the drama position. And it just seems like for whatever reason, Baker was, he just, he stared Odell down. It seemed like, I mean, even the first interception of the Cincinnati game was a a deep pass to Odell that wasn't there. Like he made it, it always seemed like Baker had his mind made up before he even looked at what was going on when Odell was out there. And, I don't know. If, Odell would do some things too, you know, like walking around without his shoes on a couple weeks ago or, you know, last year with the visor and the socks and this and that, or they're picking on me. There's all, it's the watch, the watch. It's, it's just like, it's always something. And I wonder if Baker's like, I saw what he did to Eli Manning. You know, they're friends. They are friends. They hang out. They like each other, but that doesn't mean that just because you like each other off the field, it's a great fit on the field. And I, I, for some reason, I do. I think having him out there, which is, in a perfect world, and we shouldn't have to do this, in a perfect world, Baker would be like, listen, Odell, this is how I play offense. You don't like it, go tell the office you, you want to go play for the Rams or something. And he would go out there, and he would spread the ball around and play like that. But I, I because that's what you want in a perfect world. But this isn't a perfect world. This is real life. And for some reason... The evidence, and we'll get a real good taste. We'll see what the real difference is in the coming weeks when, you know, people see Peoples Jones and Higgins again more than once, and they can't really surprise any people. But as of right now, it just seems like, for whatever reason, Baker Mayfield in the offense runs better without Odell. It's weird as that is to say. And I know they're, they're getting uh, Kaderil Hodge back off the IL this week. And a lot of the bigger bigger names, not necessarily the best names, have found new homes. Uh, like uh, with Bryant now going to the Ravens to be on their practice squad. So it makes me wonder if they will try and look out around the league and try to find another receiver or two to help the team. Uh, I think they might. I think they'll, they'll probably, you know, I don't I don't think they'll bring anything in this anybody in this week because it's already going to be Wednesday. Uh, and I think they would like to see, you know, let's see what we have right now. Let's see, you know, Hodges come back healthy. Let's see what it looks like with Peoples-Jones out there a little bit more. Higgins, is, unless they're crazy, should, you know, step right in into that starting lineup. Uh, but I do think, I mean, look, Perriman's sitting out there. He's wasting away on New York's bench. Uh, there's a couple other guys out there that might – you know, some uh, middle-of-the-road vets that, you know, are on bad teams that still have something to give that might want to, you know, be moved. But I do think eventually you might see some names kind of start bubbling up, but I think for this week coming up, I don't think you'll see much anything. 
And, you know, the timing might actually be perfect because of the testing that players have to go through and the time they have to test and be away before they can come into a facility, a new facility. And with the Browns being on the bye next week, the timing to do that is after the game this weekend. Yeah, and that's something I didn't even think of. And that's a good point. If you are looking at names and if you are going to bring people in for tryouts or try to make trades, you might as well do it, like you said, when you have two weeks to get them in here because to sign them now and then have them sit for three weeks might be ridiculous. So, no, that's a good point. Do you think they make any other significant trade-type moves trying to get better safety help or a wide receiver and maybe move on from somebody like Njoku? I, I think that they, if, if a good enough offer came, they might be tempted to. I also wonder, you know, they, they're probably trying to be careful with who they're bringing back, what their contract is. Because if you notice, they're trying, to, they're trying to toe the line with, you know, bringing guys in. They already made, you know, their big free agent signings uh, in the offseason. But I think they're trying to, trying to, you know, thread it to where, okay, we don't want to put ourselves – Yes, it might be nice to get this, you know, this safety in from where, but he's got a big contract, and if we take on his salary for the next two or three years, we're not going to be able to re-sign uh, Greedy Willie or whoever. So I think if, if something makes sense, they're going to do it, but as far as making a big win-now splash, kind of like the Ravens did with bringing in the DN from Minnesota, unless it makes all the sense in the world, I don't, I don't think they're going to do anything big. And you know what? You know your one of your future starting safeties is out this year with an Achilles injury. Delpit would have made a huge difference in the, in the back end of that defense, but he's he's you know should be healthy and ready to go next year. And you don't want to commit financially money to a player that's probably not going to get a lot of reps next year either. Yeah, that's the one thing that kind of stinks about our defense this year is. On paper, we have some pretty intriguing young players. Like Delpit, like you said, should have been starting back there probably with Carl Joseph or maybe Harrison at this point. But we haven't even seen Greedy yet this year. I don't even know if he's coming back. I mean, I know he's got something with his shoulder, nerve, whatever it is. I mean, they're, they're not even sure when he might be back on the football field. And, you know, when you looked at our, our secondary, on paper before the year started in the injuries, you're like, okay, Denzel Ward's a top corner in the league, and, you know, we'll have Greedy in his second year on the other side who didn't play bad as a rookie. You've got a steal with Delpit, uh, another guy that can, you know, just cover all kinds of ground and create, create problems. And one by one, and then even when Kevin Johnson, you know, the six-year vet, he's back out there now, but he just hasn't looked the same since he got his kidney lacerated or his lip, whatever it was. So that's what you've got to be careful about is you don't want to like sit there and clog up roster spots with veterans who are aging and have all these big deals when really we don't actually know what we have in our secondary yet. And I think they were counting on the fact that they have all these young guys that can make plays being productive under rookie deals. So I don't think they're willing to just kind of screw that up yet just because we're tired of watching 23, which we all are. Yeah, there, there, there's no doubt about that. I mean, and, and you look at it, and I mean, to me, the biggest weakness of the team is at linebacker defensively, and some guys have stepped up and played pretty good. Others, B.J. Goodson, I'm talking to you, have not. 
<laughs> Linebacker, we, we do have some problems, obviously, on the defense. Now, the good news is our offense is pretty set, and there's really not much you, you're going to do with that offense going into next year. There'll be some minor changes here or there, but you know who that offense is going to be. I think next year's offense, uh, next year's offseason draft, all that, it's going to be on the linebackers, shoring up the secondary, probably going to need some, because really outside of Miles Garrett and sometimes Richardson, our defense, Olivier Byrne is garbage. I, I mean, uh, how that, uh, he plays apparently, and, and I don't think I've seen him near a quarterback. And this is the guy on the other side when they're putting two, three guys shaded towards Garrett, he can't make a play. So, I think this offseason you're going to see all kinds of new defensive players and, and stuff like that. Because really, if we get the defense, even to a you know, top 12, top 11, whatever, top 10 defense, we're, we're going to be a big problem in the league. So I, I think this offseason coming up is going to be all defense. So we got about two minutes before the break. Is today the last game of the year for Major League Baseball, or do we get another one tomorrow? Well, I, I hope it's not. Because I want to be right. <laughs> but I also know that if this is the last game of the year, you're right. And I'll have to tell you, well, you got me on Twitter. So for my own selfish reasons, no, Mark, we're going we're gonna to go tomorrow, too. It's been a pretty fun World Series so far. I, I didn't know what the Rays would have left in them. And, you know, if you include the way, was it game four ended on an unbelievable way, that it, it's been a fun series so far and everybody stayed healthy. Yeah, it really has. Um, I'm not going to lie. I, I thought I was over the Indians not being in it, but I, you know, I'm watching this and there's some fans in the stands and it looks fun. And I got mad again. <laughs> I'm just like, I really wish we could play in the playoffs because how cool would it have been to see the Indians and Dodgers? But chances are we weren't getting by the Rays or Astros anyway. But uh, no, I, thought, I think the World Series, as weird as this baseball year has been and is out of controls it's been especially early on when we didn't even know if they'd be able to keep playing to see how the world series looks and beginning this nice series between tampa and uh, the dodgers ah, I, I mean as a baseball fan i i couldn't be happier with all things considered and you know what i'm you know guys like yandy diaz or um joey wendell who have you know played and played well for them i, I like seeing those guys have some success too it is it's always nice to see former guys kind of you know, in the big spotlight. Well, Ryan, hopefully the Buckeyes beat Penn State and the Browns can beat the Raiders going into the bye week, and we'll have a lot to talk about next week. So I appreciate it as always. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Ryan joining us from his home studio up there in Cleveland. Break it down that uh, Browns, big Browns win over the Bengals, 30, 37-34. They are 5-2. and two. Enjoy it because... It's a lot of fun with the Las Vegas Raiders coming into Cleveland for a 1 o'clock game on Sunday, hopefully after a big Buckeyes win over Penn State on Saturday night. So it should be a lot of good football that, of course, includes high school football right here on Western Reserve Radio coming up on on Saturday. Our two matchups, of course, are... Uh, Springfield hosting Mogador here on Western Reserve Radio and over on Western Reserve Radio 2. 
It's Earth One at Poland with both of those being 7 o'clock kickoffs. We will have the high school football preview show on Friday with Dave and I getting you ready for all the games Friday night and Saturday right here on Western Reserve Radio. We're going to take our final time out. We will come back, wrap things up, look ahead to next week's show. As I told Dave earlier, we've got guests booked for the next three weeks. I'll let you know who some of them are right after we take this final time out here on Western Reserve Radio and streaming live on westernreserveradio.com. Golf Course is now open. Experience the Donald Ross Championship design of both courses where you can book a tee time online at MillCreekMetroParks.org. Mill Creek features a newly remodeled golf shop, new cart paths, and is a Callaway certified club fitting facility with demo day. The PGA professional staff is now accepting golf outings and leagues. For more information, call 330-740-7112 or stop by and see what all Mill Creek Golf Course has to offer you. Welcome to Calvin's Barbershop. You all got to see this. I don't even want to know what you're looking at on that phone. Well, you should. I was learning about the dangers of high blood pressure and that we need to get ours checked regularly. High blood pressure can increase the risk of heart attack or stroke, but this text program can help keep it at a healthy range. Just text Barbershop to 97779 to sign up. I'll get right on it. As soon as I'm done with this baby panda video. <laughs> text Barbershop to 97779. A message from the American Heart Association and the Ad Council. Driving has a rhythm all its own. Don't wreck it with a text. Before you get behind the wheel, silence your phone. Or better yet, designate a texter. For more text-free driving tips, visit StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Who doesn't love an adventure? If you crave something new and tasty, embark on the great dining adventure at Eastwood Mall. Whether you're dining in or getting it to go, there are more than 30 different eateries ready to please. Plan your roadmap to great dining by visiting us at eastwoodmall.com. Enjoy tantalizing tastes while supporting local businesses. WWE superstar Alberto Del Rio. Take one. Behold the angry giant. Try it again, Alberto. Behold the angry giant. Perfect. Good luck tonight. Behold the angry giant. Yay! Read me another one, Dad. This is WWE superstar Alberto Del Rio. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. What do basketball, choir, drama clubs, and marching bands all have in common? They're all high school activities that offer learning opportunities not necessarily found in the classroom. They take up just a fraction of a typical Ohio high school's budget, and they go a long way to giving young people the tools they need to thrive. High school activities, they're more than extracurricular. They're extra important, too. This message presented by the Ohio High School Athletic Association and the Ohio Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. You're listening to Western Reserve Radio at westernreserveradio.com on the Live 365 Network and the Live 365 app. 
wrap things up here on By All Means on Western Reserve Radio. A big thank you to Joe Putnam, who is the Press Box PA announcer for the media at Beaver Stadium in State College, talking Ohio State-Penn State, of course, 7.30 on Saturday uh, on your local ABC affiliate, wherever you are in the Midwest. Ohio State comes into the game an eight-point favorite early on in the week. Also, thank you to Ryan Alessio for joining us. Talking Browns, I tried to get him riled up about you know, the Browns are better without Beckham, but it shocked me when he actually agreed with me. Hey, don't forget, coming up on Friday, 5 o'clock, uh, Dave and I will have the high school football playoff preview show from 5 o'clock until 6 o'clock. We'll hopefully be able to talk to all four coaches, two in each game. We'll talk to a member of the announce crew for each team as well as they get set for the matchups coming up this weekend uh, that are, of course, once again here on Western Reserve Radio, Mogador at Springfield in a rematch of a game from last year. And uh, Ursland and Poland will meet at Pavlansky Field in Poland at 7 o'clock on Western Reserve Radio 2. Looking ahead to next week's show, we'll be joined by my friend Brian Driscoll, who covers the Fighting Irish for Irish Breakdown. He is the owner and operator. We will preview the big game of next weekend between Clemson and Notre Dame. That is, of course, assuming both teams will win their matchup this weekend, and they are both expected to do that. And, of course, that game will actually be at the same time Ohio State is playing Rutgers for all you Buckeye fans over on the Big Ten Network. That is going to do it for today's episode of By All Means. A big thank you to executive producer Dave Ferris back at our studios in Struthers. And we will talk to you on Friday for the High School Football Preview Show. You've been listening to By All Means with your host, me, Mark Me, right here on Western Reserve Radio.